Welcome to Creators Grab Coffee, hosted by Kirill Lazaroff and Dario Nuri. CGC is a show where we invite business professionals to discuss industry topics and share experiences. Today we welcome our guest Sasha Ulyanov. Sasha is a serial entrepreneur who's passionate about building communities for creative people. He is a managing partner at Purple Tree Photography, Mint Room Studios, August Media, and Indigo Visual Co. We hope you enjoy our discussion, so let us start. Just for the audiences who don't know you, Sasha, like tell us a little bit about yourself and uh, and a little bit about Purple Tree and August Media. So August Media was never the original plan. It was August Media was a baby of many other businesses and the creative people behind those businesses. So we originally started as a wedding photography company back in 2011. So Purple Tree was the original company, still called parent company. Uh, so there are three partners, uh, kind of, you know, just like any, most of the wedding businesses start, it's a side gig, uh, you know, we're passionate about photography, we love shooting weddings, uh, great way to make some money on the side. So we never thought that it was going to grow into anything big or it would become like top, top wedding photographers in the city uh, or in the country. And then, you know, fast forward three or four years. Uh, at this point, we have about seven or eight full-time employees. Uh, we're doing this all full-time. Uh, we're shooting roughly around 250 weddings uh, a season. Um, yeah, and as I mentioned, so we had employees, not the contractors. So that was the biggest difference between us and our competitors that, uh, you know, we wanted to do it long-term once we realized that it can be something bigger than just a side gig. Uh, and we started hiring those photographers on a full-time basis. So. Uh, and then very fast we realized that, you know, wedding, weddings are seasonal and come December, January, once you kind of caught up with the post-production, there's li- literally not that much to do for, for a full-time staff. And then besides that, you know, as, as you know, in the wedding industry, uh, most, most people are not strictly wedding photographers. They have other passions. They work on other photography projects. So kind of started figuring it out and to see what everyone's strengths are and how we can utilize everyone's best skills to make sure that their morale is up, that they're busy all year round. Uh, So this is when the idea of doing something outside of weddings first came up and we got ourselves into the corporate gigs. So anything from corporate portraits to corporate events, uh, we'll do some stuff for, for social media as well. And that was all cool, but then we realized very fast that even that wasn't enough to kind of feed our creative juices. And, you know, out of all the service that we were offering at that time, uh, we enjoyed shooting the branding sessions and different campaigns, uh, definitely stuff for social media as well, the most. And, you know, for some of our corporate clients, they were cool and they were excited about the fact that we're kind of one-stop shop for all their photography, videography needs. For some other clients, they were a little bit confused or there would be clients who would be looking for, you know, photographers to do their campaigns or do something a little bit more creative, but then they would go on our website and most of the work on our website was kind of events and events photography. So they thought that this was our only specialty and then would kind of move on and and end up hiring somebody else. Uh, So we decided to remove the creative uh, component from from the events photography business and kind of do a little bit of a spin-off and, and that's how August Media kind of came around. So it wasn't until probably about seven years after we opened our 
regional company, which was specializing in weddings. Um, yeah. Okay, so what, the, what does uh, August Media specifically work on then? Uh, is it just branded campaigns? Uh, so August Media is a creative content production and management company. So basically, you know, it can be a, a simple branding photo session or you just launched a new website and you need some content for, for the website and a little bit for the social media. So we can do that um, or we can help you with the whole thing. So starting from, you know, brand development, website design, logo design, content creation, and then social media management. So on the social media side, we deal mostly uh, with Instagram and Facebook accounts. So we will come up with a strategy for the company. We will create, shoot the content. We'll take that content to the layouts, um, monthly content. So we'll write the copy as well. Uh, so we'll post everything on the client's behalf. We'll do all the engagement. Um, and for, for many of them, we would also run their uh, uh, Facebook ads and, and social media campaigns and then provide them with all the analytics and reports at the end of the month as well. Uh, that's great. And, and um, one, one quick question, though, um, starting August Media, because you guys were going for, uh, uh, working on a wedding photography specific business and opening this kind of multimedia kind of company that handles a lot of the social media aspect, video content creation, photo content creation. How did you guys go about uh, learning that process? Because that's a completely different skill set and mindset, even for all three of your partners. Like, did you guys divide up, for example, uh, like who would be learning certain uh, roles or did you guys have to bring in people that knew that type of business? It's a great question. So I think one, one thing I forgot to mention, um, you know, every, every time we hire a new person, so be it a photographer and this executive assistant or somebody to help us with our own social media, you know, I love looking at the resumes or just talking to people to figure out what are some other skills that they have that were not their original requirements, right? That we're not necessarily interested in at the beginning, but you know, I would look at it and see whether this is something that we again like could either spin off or if this is something that we can build around. So first of all, I believe that you know every person can only stay inspired and motivated if they're doing something that they truly love, right? So again, you know. Everyone, a lot of people can be amazing wedding photographers, but if that's not their only or the true passion, you know, then most, more often than not, that it would only be able to last for so many, uh, for so many seasons or for so many years before they kind of lose that passion completely. Cause you know, um, so, so yes, every time we would bring on board somebody, bring a new photographer or just a new employee, like we would have this in-depth conversation about other things that they want to do in life or that they're really good at. Uh, and I would like literally create those opportunities and those tasks in the company. So the way it started with offering social media uh, services is when we onboarded a creative director to help with some campaigns, but uh, we realized that she has a very good background and passion around managing social media accounts as well. So basically we made her head of department and let her run pretty much like her own shop, right? So she was in charge of, of selling the service to the clients, kind of uh, hiring the team to help her with the day-to-day -day with the social media management. Uh, later we had to bring somebody who was running the Facebook ads 
uh, then later we realize that that person is also passionate and excited about the design. So, you know, we added the design as a service and kind of, you know, so every time we bring somebody on board uh, to help us with something, what we really do is we create an opportunity for that person to, you know, leverage their skills and create something that we have not done before as a company. Yeah, you, you mentioned you hired a creative director to run the social media aspect of your business, but coming from a photographer... Just a director. So we didn't hire the creative director to run the social media. We hired the creative director to help us with the production and the campaign shoots. And it just happened. She just happened to be very passionate about social media as well. So we said, hey, listen, if this is what you want to do, you know, we can, we can make it happen. So who's the person running marketing who's the person running marketing on the august media side yeah so that will be satana so my partner satana uh she's also the original partner from purple tree photography Did you so she'll be so she'll be overlooking the marketing but you know there's a whole team now uh, did you guys kind of divide up uh, some of the responsibilities between the three of you partners? You know, like one handles a bit more managing August Media versus the other one um, managing more of Purple Tree? Uh, or is, is there some kind of like uh, d division of responsibility there? That's a great question. Uh, so probably backtrack a little bit and start from the beginning. Uh, so when we first started Purple Tree, uh, where we really got lucky is that all three of us brought completely different set of skills to, to this business. So I have more of a business slash accounting background, you know, BCom, and I'm also a CPA. Um, so right away, my main responsibility was like literally starting from day one when we had to incorporate the business, it was just banking, accounting, taxes, you know, billing clients. Uh, by default, I also started taking care of the HR and legal stuff. Uh, so I was like more of a numbers guy, like more wearing like that corporate hat. Yeah. Uh, so Eugene uh, came from the uh, marketing background. He actually used to work for a big SEO uh, company back in the days. So he was in charge of everything that was going on online. So our SEO, our website design, stuff like that, he was doing it all himself. So he was more of our IT department, I would say. And then Svetlana uh, was definitely, or still is definitely the most creative person uh, in the company. So she was in charge of the overall company aesthetics, the brand division. Uh, so meaning like training the photographers, figuring out the post-production overall style of the brand. Uh, and that kind of transitioned from uh, Purple Tree to all the new brands or the, the companies that we opened later, later on. Uh, so we had our very defined responsibilities, but eventually that wasn't enough. Uh, Cause you know, like you can't be, a, you can't, you can't be a CFO and a, and a legal person, a sharp person for multiple organizations. There's just not enough time in the day. Uh, so Purple Tree being the oldest business out of all and uh, having the team that has been there for so long. Um, and it really helped us that we have very uh, low turnover, like it's pretty much zero. Most people who have ever joined us, like they're still around in some capacity. Uh, so, so Purple Tree is very autonomous right now. We're able to automate so many processes. We're able to delegate so many of our own responsibilities that, you know, like we're at the point where if we were to leave for a month or even two, 
to go on like an extensive vacation or to get ourselves into the new venture and start a new business, like we wouldn't have to worry about anything. So the team was taking care of pretty much day to day. Uh, and the, the business is running itself at this point. Um, yeah, so with that additional time that has opened up because of an amazing team, you know, we're able to spend that time on managing or creating uh, the processes in this new organizations. And yeah, so August Media is probably taking up most of our time at this point. Yeah, it's pretty good that you have uh, three partners, including yourself, and they all focus on a specific thing because uh, that does allow you to grow um, pretty pretty well, right? Because with Joel yeah. and myself, we kind of have the same hats, so we kind of split the roles, right? So right now, for example, uh, we're trying to transition into more of a digital marketing type of agency, but we don't have the digital marketing background. background. So we're trying to understand, we're trying to learn just the basics so we can eventually um, outsource that work to other agencies that that can handle it right just but to we, know the capabilities basically yeah really. yeah yeah right and but we do need the basics so now we're trying to learn that so it's like we we have to like we can't just focus on one thing yeah so it's good that you were able to figure that out early on it's a good yeah, and at some point at some point you realize that you don't know everything and even you know those those responsibilities that we had before we realized that we might not be the best people uh, to do those, to work on those tasks. So eventually you need to realize that you want to hire somebody who's better and smarter than you are. Yeah. Like it's great that we're wearing all these different hats, but you know, jack of all trades, master of none. <laughs> At the end of the day. We thought about like maybe partnering up with a, with a digital marketing agency, but again, like we don't know enough about the field to be able to choose one and again it's still early on so maybe we'll find someone mm -hmm. later on right but at, at the same like right now we just we, we just got to know what the the playing field is like what, what i'm actually curious about is um because you guys jumped into uh, august media and even though you didn't know all the necessary skills uh, or like the even though you didn't know all the aspects of the business you hired people that knew it but how did you go about uh, you know pitching that to clients especially when you're bringing in someone who is not one of your three partners, you know, who has the skill set, who knows the capabilities. How did you go about, you know, bringing their skill set to the negotiation table, to the pitching table? That is like, uh, I think something that a lot of people always don't know how to wrap their head around. It's like, you know, bringing. How do you book your first client when you don't necessarily have. <laughs> exactly. Team to, to, to provide the service. Is, is that. Basically. Something similar to that, especially if you've already established yourselves in a, as a very different type of business. Because well. it's different from because you went from content creation to digital marketing, right? So it's a, it's a pretty good, big switch from going. Yeah. I, I'm I started off with selling photography services. Now I'm going to add video to my roster. Right. Marketing is, is a little that, different. That, did that too at some point. Uh, so first of all, transparency. So you have to be very honest and transparent with your client. You have to find a perfect client who is not in a rush, who is okay to wait, uh, who is okay to deal with some kinks in the process. Obviously, in return, you know, you're probably not charging them through the roof. You're get, giving them a few freebies. So um, you're literally using them as an early adapt adapter. Um, so, and then, and then you kind of work it out. So I, I don't know if you guys read this book called um, Lean Startup. Lean startup? Yeah, I've heard about it. So the way it worked for us, I would say I'm a big advocate of the concept called lean startup. Is that basically saying that before you 
put the product out there in the market, uh, you know, you don't want it to be 100% ready. Like you just want to share the concept and share the idea with your potential clients and then get as much feedback as possible and then see what is it that you need to optimize and change. And, at the, and then also, what is it that your potential client really cares about? So the idea that you might have in your head and then the real problems that your clients are dealing with might be two completely different things. So when we started offering this new services, and you're absolutely right, like we might have not had the right people on, on our team to do the job, but we're very honest and transparent with our clients. We said, hey, you know, knowing what you guys been doing and what you've been up to and, and knowing the services that you've been uh, getting from us, you know, it might be really good for you as a next step to also, you know, do the, have, have a company that will help you with the social media management. And then right away they would say, well, don't you guys do it? And then we'll be completely honest with them and we'll say, not yet, but <laughs> if you guys are not in a rush, <laughs> then we can try together with you. So, 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 so we would do exactly that. So we'll either approach the clients that would have a very good existing relationship with already because we've done a bunch of other work for them. And then we would know exactly, you know, what kind of goals and needs they, they have and whether they're okay to grow a little bit slower and grow together with us or they need somebody else. Uh, so in many instances, you know, we would say, hey, look, you, we're not the right fit for you. Like, we're not there yet. Like you need somebody who is, who is bigger and better than us. Of course, you're going to pay more, but you're still better off to contact them. And we would literally like share the contact information uh, of, you know, now our competitors. Yeah. <laughs> but others would say, you know what, like this is something that we can manage ourselves, save you some money, and then probably do a better service because, you know, that's like, especially like when, when, when you're new to any industry, like you care like nobody else, you know, because yeah. every project is, is your baby. Mm -hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, so again, like going back to your question, like transparency, like being honest with your clients and telling them what exactly you can do versus what exactly you can't do. Well, one thing that they like about doing that as well is because you guys have basically become a one-stop shop. Like if, if, if even if we were uh, to even like uh, get services like that, I'd want to do everything from one place. It would be very frustrating to work with three different creative agencies when, you know, like how do you manage that aspect? Whereas you guys are offering that by doing it. So they probably will be more willing to experiment with you guys and grow with you just to get that convenience as well. 100%. That's a really good point. And again, especially because on August Media side, most of our clients are still small to medium sized businesses. So most of the time they're run by like one or two individuals who are busy day in and day out. And they don't have the capacity to deal with multiple vendors. They don't have the experience of dealing with big agencies. So yes, absolutely. How did you deal with the out outsourcing of the marketing services at the beginning? Like, were you uh, still the middle middleman for, for that? Or did you just hand it off to that marketing agency and say, okay, we'll give you this, but just hire us for the content creation aspect? Right, so this this the second uh, alternative. So the whole idea of August Media is really to eliminate or reduce the number of middlemen. Uh, so we didn't want to be subcontractors or we didn't want to manage another contractor either. Um, so in case we're not able to provide a specific service or we think that we're not the right fit, we would just refer our clients to 
to the company that can manage it for them. So then at what point did you decide, okay, I'm done with the training wheels, we can start offering this? So as soon as we would get comfortable, as soon as we would start getting like positive feedback from our existing clients that would, you know, confirm that we're doing a good job, as soon as we would get 100% comfortable. But even now, <clears throat> you know, we can offer full social media services to medium-sized business, but for our bigger corporate clients, like we still tell them that, hey, we're still not the right not the right fit for you guys and you're still we're still not there yet so just hang on we know that you like us we know we know that you like how we do everything on time but there is a there is a reason right that we have we've never failed before just because we don't take on more work that we can manage typically those much larger companies like the the banks of the world it's it's very hard to be the one-stop shop for them because they they a lot of them have compliances with the head offices that they have all over the world and it's very difficult to manage all that aspect i remember when we were doing work with one of the, the big banks many years ago i remember just to get revisions you know sometimes revisions take a long time because a lot of people need to look at it and that is just for a lot of the time internal video to have stuff that needs to get out there for other people to see, it has to pass through so many different offices. And, and to be honest, I wouldn't want to be the one managing that aspect, at least not yet. If something goes wrong, ooh. Oh my God. <laughs> so that's the exact story of today, <laughs> right? And, and, and most other days as well. So how do you manage then if they want, if one of those clients says like, oh, we want you to handle more of this aspect, like- is, you Well, he said, just passes it on. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so we'll be very transparent. We'll be like, you know what, can't can't handle it. <laughs> so I don't. I want to set the expectations right. And what was the process of going from okay, we're going to offer uh, digital marketing to these small companies, and now we're comfortable enough to go to medium-sized businesses? What was the turning point? Did you just add more team members, more experienced people to your team, or was there something else? Uh, I think just fine-tuning the processes and becoming a lot more comfortable dealing with the small size businesses and basically, you know, becoming the top service provider for the small, small business. Um, and then, but I would say it didn't even happen like that. It wasn't like we turned on the switch and, and we were like, well, you know what, now we're ready. Like it's always like every time with our marketing and our sales, we never push our services. It's always a full strategy. So clients come to us. So, you know, no different from the weddings, like a lot of the business comes from referral and the word of mouth and the social media accounts. So, you know, so somebody sees uh, the work that we do or interesting one, actually. So a lot of our clients are in the beauty industry. So, you know, those clinics that do injections, uh, makeup, hair salons. So all small, relatively small businesses one store, not multinational. And then, so that was the biggest chunk of our, of our clients at the very beginning. And we got all comfortable and started doing a really good job with them. And at some point their suppliers, so started reaching out to us and would be like, Hey, I saw you doing some work for our client and we actually really enjoyed it. We want you to come and shoot some videos. And then they would start asking if we do anything else besides that. And then we would just offer it to them. But again, like with this being just as transparent as before, it would say, you know, this is how much we can do. If you need anything more, then we're not. So would you say that 
uh, a majority of the the leads that you get are more from referral based because you're saying you don't you don't do a lot of uh, push strategy it's a lot of pull it sounds like a, a lot of the the projects and opportunities that come your way are from either existing clients or from people that those existing clients know is that typically where most of your leads come from i would say 80 percent of business for sure and then whenever we feel like hey there is a little bit of capacity and we can take it a few more clients and you know there's not too many inquiries uh, coming in, then we'll just turn on the Facebook ads or run some ads on Instagram as well, maybe for even just a few days. And uh, that would generate a few leads that we'll start working on. And yeah, so 80% referrals and word of mouth, 20% is Facebook ads. So 20%, you get all of your, uh, your leads from Facebook advertising specifically? Correct. You're the first, you're actually the first business that we've talked to that relies on Facebook advertising specifically. A lot of other people either rely on Google SEO mostly, but no one specifically had Facebook. The referrals and, I, and Google I, I, When I say Facebook, I mean Facebook slash Instagram. We would run uh, ads simultaneously on both platforms, but I, I don't know why people wouldn't use it more. Like honestly, if you want to grow your business aggressively, that's the way to go. Have you guys the point, like sometimes, 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 uh, Elizabeth was our creative director who basically runs the social media, uh, division. Like she would literally call me and be like, Sasha, turn off Facebook. Ads. Like we're getting too many inquiries. Like I can't handle it. <laughs> and then I'm only talking about like spending maybe like 200 bucks a week. So this wow. is, this is for the August media. Uh, side of thing uh, for, for yeah. August media. Yeah, really. I mean, we use we use Facebook and and uh, Instagram as for all our businesses. So Purple Tree Photography, Mintram Studios, uh, Indigo Events, August Media. So like literally, like if if the phone is not ringing and if I if we have the capacity, like all we do is just you know, put two three hundred dollars into the Facebook ads and you're back in business. But but the the majority of the clients you're getting are in the beauty uh space right on the august media side yes okay. so our demographic our demographic is very much beauty um lifestyle um health uh very female driven so i would say like 80 percent of our clients are female entrepreneurs yeah, I guess like when you're running any type of ads uh, online, like you have to really think about what type of client or customer you're trying to target. I was going to ask you why, uh, if you had, if you guys had considered, for example, LinkedIn, because that's where a lot of like corporate clients and, you know, business heads typically spend most of their time on not as not so much Instagram and Facebook. But if a lot of your clients are in the beauty sector, then Instagram and Facebook are definitely the booming business for that. <laughs> are you trying to niche yourself into the beauty space though? What's that? Are you trying to niche yourself into the beauty space? Uh, again, just like with many other things uh, in my business career, um, it wasn't the plan, but it just naturally happened to be so. Um, and, you know, again, main reason would be because most of our photographers come from fashion slash wedding background. You know, most of the girls who, most of the girls, most of the people who run the operations, they're, 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 they're female. So, you know, most of them would be using the services that our clients provide. Uh, so it just naturally happened that, you know, majority of our clients are in, in that sector. 
So do you think um, uh, one big factor that has to do with you kind of niching into that direction is uh, the certain interests uh, of your staff and, and crew? Like, obviously, like you guys have done a lot of, uh, you know, spec shoots and beauty shoots, you know, to just kind of beef up the portfolio. Like we've seen that over the years on Instagram and Facebook. And clearly those are the types of projects uh, your, your team likes to lean into, right? 100%. And, you know, you have to, again, you have to be passionate about, about, things that, that you sell or things that you offer. Um, and again, again, it was more of a lean startup concept where we had to re almost reverse engineer everything. So first hire a person, see, see what kind of talents and skill set they have, then build around those talents and then see who you know, th that service would attract. And then again, build on that, as opposed to having all these crazy ideas and working day and night to, to, to build a very a perfect product or a perfect service that you think is going to work just because there is a demand and then just to find out that nobody cares or again like what you have in your head and what the market wants are two different things right how do you go about building your team on the on the marketing end because it's a little different from hiring uh, videographers or video crews and and photography crews right because again in that field first of all you have experience and like again like a photographer after a while you kind of figure out how they how they shoot like what the standard type of uh, personnel should be like right but when it comes to marketing it seems like it's a little different and you can't just hire like a creative director and quickly put them on a project right like how do you how do you know this is the right person for me Right. Uh, good question, but probably a question for the next conversation with one of my partners. <laughs> so uh, I like to be a part of all the interviews and at least the kind of the final stages. Again, just to kind of probe and see what else uh, this person is capable of or is excited about. Uh, but when it comes to hiring people in marketing or social media, I wouldn't be the one who goes through the resumes and makes the final decision. Okay, so I'll give you another one then. What was the biggest hurdle going from a content creation agency to a digital marketing agency? What was the biggest hurdle? Uh, just kind of letting it go. Uh, you know, being a small business owner, again, like you're so used to wearing all these different hats and being in control and being in charge and making all the decisions yourself. So, you know, once you venture into something that is not your forte, again, it's important to hire that first person and then you just have to trust them. And then, and then you know, in this scenario, like I've, I'm more of a coach and mentor, but I'm definitely not a subject matter expert. I'm definitely not the one like making those key important decisions. So I'm there to support <laughs> that person in case, you know, uh, they're going through some tough times and they're dealing with, with stuff that they never dealt with before because obviously been there, done that many times. Uh, but when it comes to like specific key decisions, I, they have my full trust. So one, one really cool thing uh, about you guys that I, that, that I think is really uh, amazing is you guys running Purple Tree and August Media and you guys also a few years ago decided to open up your own rental studio space, Mint Room. Like, what was the idea of like of of choosing to go into that direction? Because it's a very different uh, direction uh, compared to you know running a digital marketing agency. You're trying to lift that up off the ground. What made you guys think, okay, let's also open up uh, 
a rental studio space, you know, for photographers, videographers, music videos, etc. Like what was the creative behind that? Um, the idea behind it was to solve a big problem in this community. Uh, so most other, like every other business that we opened, it wasn't revolutionary. You know, there were wedding photographers there before us. Yeah. There were creative agencies, corporate photographers, people who would shoot headshots. <clears throat> so obviously we're all passionate about all these things, but we were not the first ones. We we're not really solving a big problem. But with the studio rentals, it was a big issue. So even when we were the wedding photographers, and I know you guys just from time to time would shoot, shoot weddings as well, uh, where do you go in winter? When, and then, you know, when the weather is nasty, when it's raining, snowing outside, when it's cold, uh, there are only so many indoor options in a city like Toronto, even though, you know, it is so big, but there are, there are only maybe like two or three places where you can go. Uh, and same thing with, with the content creation shoes. You can't do everything at a local park. You can't always rent a big production studio is way too expensive you don't necessarily need it for the full day uh, you need to bring all the equipment because the production studio only offers you like that white canvas and and the, the, the equipment um, yeah so we were we were dealing with multiple issues ourselves and the only natural way to solve it was to kind of build our own sandbox where we would be able to play um, yeah and like knowing that you know, we're dealing with these issues. It was a no-brainer, and we understood that every other creative person uh, is dealing with with the same challenge. Doesn't matter if they're family photographers, wedding photographers, if they shoot branding uh, products, even at times, you know. It really takes a certain kind of mindset to be able to identify not only problems that you particularly have in a business. I mean, we're always trying to solve our own issues in business, but it's very lucky that you were able to identify that it's like, this may be an issue that we have, but this is also an issue that everyone else has. Like, what if we were to create that kind of opportunity that other people can also benefit from? And, you know, now as a result, you guys are probably one of the top uh, studio rental uh, companies in the city. Well, Mint Room is specifically, but... Uh, how have you guys gone about, you know, with growth? Like once, once you got that attention, like, um, how have you guys been looking to diversify or, or even expand? Cause like a lot of copycats have started to kind of pop up lately as well because of your concept, right? hundred percent. No, uh, we're joking about it. There's at least one a month now. Oh, really? Wow. Uh, yeah, some are, some, 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 some of them are pretty creative and I loved seeing like new spaces uh, that complement, you know, the studios that already exist so that photographers don't have to shoot with the same backdrop uh, twice. Um, and then there are others who are like literally <laughs> just copying the design completely. But um, sorry, Carolyn, your question was, what's our plan in the future or how we're how how are you kind of trying to go off uh, expanding, you know, and kind of diversifying it, you know, compared to all the other ones that are out there now? With, with the Mint Room? Yeah, with the Mint Room, yeah. Okay. So Lean Startup again. Uh, so the way the new ideas come around uh, is from our existing clients. So we're constantly out there on the floor uh, trying to collect as much feedback as possible. Uh, staying in touch with all the photographers, videographers who utilize our space, uh, and then literally just asking them those questions. Hey, like, what would you want to see next? What is it that you're missing in your day-to-day? -day? Like, 
you know, why would you go shoot content somewhere else? Or is this something that Minshum cannot offer you at this point? You know, like there's like literally a list of at least 20 different room designs that we currently have, like ready to start working on them. And we just, we just don't have the right space. Um, so yeah, no lack of ideas, but again, most of them come from our clients, from other creatives who use our space. Uh, not so much from, you know, looking at the competitors, be it here in Toronto or, or like at the ideas like outside of, outside of Canada. Uh, yeah. Okay. So you have, uh, you start off with purple tree, then you got, you, you, uh, started mint room and then you started the event management company and then you started August media. Not the event management. It was still events, photography, videography. events, photography. Yeah. That's four ventures. How do you even like, how do you even like manage all four <laughs> ventures? Like, uh, like it's just three partners. I don't know how he you was guys... just like putting out like several fires this morning. You think it was oh, just one God. business? <laughs> no, but it's like four. It's it's a lot to handle, right? So do you have like I don't even know how you go about it. Just tell me how you go about it. <laughs> so on the Mintrum side, <clears throat> since I haven't mentioned it yet, so uh, we do have other partners there as well. Uh, so it's the three of us, uh, and then there is another side. Uh, and we're basically equal partners there. Uh, and they've been great help since, since, since day one. Like it would have not been possible if it was just the three of us, uh, you know, building and managing Mintrum ourselves. Uh, so yeah, so with the help of partners on the Mintrum side, but again, with the help of our own people and our team, like I can't stress that enough, uh, you know, just learning. It took some time for us to learn how to delegate and how to trust somebody else making those key important decisions other than yourself, but there is no other way. Do you think it's a lot easier now for you guys? You know, like once you did it with one business, you know, you were able to delegate a lot of the roles and responsibilities. Do you feel more and more comfortable with each venture that now you guys have been dipping your toes into? Uh, certain things, yes, uh, but with each new business, there, there come, you know, new, new, new problems that you never, <laughs> have to deal with before but for the most part yes you're right so it is a lot easier and um, you know every single person who who is a part of purple tree or who started as a purple tree employee uh, they play a very big part in at least one other business so literally don't have anyone on purple tree side who would only be responsible for uh, activities around weddings so and then we also, but that also works for them because that's almost like a, like they, they, they know that there is life after weddings. <laughs> <laughs> There's hope, right? <laughs> so, you know, so they know that they'll be able to transition out completely at some point and uh, they don't need to worry about being like 45, 50 years old and, and walking around with two cameras for 12 hours. Uh, straight uh, every Saturday and Sunday. <laughs> um, yeah, no, so it, it's it's not us; it's the team. <laughs> like I, I can't take any credits. The only the only the only thing that I can take credit for is just you know not having any fear and just just going all in, and uh, that's so that's that's about it. <laughs> Everything else is the team. But you know, if I didn't have the team, then maybe I wouldn't have the courage to. Of course, you know, you mentioned though, like, uh, like it's, it, 
it's normal for like you and all your partners to, you know, divvy up responsibilities with some of the companies, but you all still play important roles within each business. Now that, uh, that makes sense to me for sure. And definitely also makes sense to us that, you know, that, you know, you, some of the other people from your team are able to handle a lot of those roles and responsibilities from multiple companies. But my question is like, how do you determine, you know, like which fires to put out first? Because if you're handling uh, like uh, work from one business, it makes sense what uh, the work that you need to do and accomplish. But if you have business one telling you, you need to get something done for tomorrow, then all of a sudden business two or three comes in and says, oh, you also need to get this done by the next day. How do you manage the, uh, those roles with each of your team members? Uh, so again, with Purple Tree, uh, there are very little, there are not as many fires that I have to deal with myself. Um, so that's kind of easy. So most of the fires come either from your people directly. So I would say I wear HR hats more often than than any other hat. Oh, wow. <laughs> Speaking about hats, <laughs> I don't know if you have what? Oh, yeah. Ten, the... ten in the background there. So <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I probably have about the same number of hats that I wear on a daily basis. But uh, the one I wear the most is definitely the HR. Uh, so my people is the main priority. So, you know, if there's somebody on the team who is not taken care of, then, you know, everything else will fall apart. Like I have to take care of, of my own people first. Um, and then again, clients, you know, team deals with clients quite well. Uh, there are some, mostly corporate clients uh, that I have to deal with uh, either because it's an escalation or because I'm pretty much the only person on the team who speaks corporate language. <laughs> uh, and so sometimes it's easier for me to understand their expectations and their own challenges and issues because I used to work in the corporate world. I used to work in the banking industry. Uh, so, you know, when some creatives are dealing with a big corporate client, a lot of things for them just don't make sense and they get annoyed a lot easier or a lot faster or they can't again understand the challenges on the other side or they can't express their own uh kind of position in this so uh, so yes i deal with a lot of corporate clients but number one is all the hr issues what are some of the you keep talking about like uh, you were a lot you're, you're like the hr person basically and you're putting out a lot of fires uh what are, what are, what are some of the examples uh, well, this year, the times. <laughs> well, there's been one big fire for all of us this year. We all know what, what that is. Through the pandemic and having, uh, you know, around 30 employees, just the amount of different forms that I had to fill out. Oh, man, I didn't even think of that. <laughs> all kind of subsidies uh, that we had to apply for, uh, yeah, all kind of paperwork. And then just dealing with everyone's questions around uncertainties, like everyone's concerns, like, you know, it's one thing to address that in a big meeting kind of to everyone, but not everyone is comfortable asking questions, um, you know, um, concerning them. So, yeah, just kind of being that support for everyone at this point, uh, making sure that everybody stays sane, that all their questions are answered, that they know that there is, there is job security, uh, so both, both, both when it comes to like health and uh, financial security. Um, so that was the biggest fire that just keeps on giving. <laughs> and, uh, you know, as much as I try to stay on top of it, like there's always something that 
that comes out, you know. Um, so that 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 took a big toll. Well, I wouldn't say it took a big toll, but it took a big chunk of my time just just dealing with all the uncertainties and making sure that people are confident and calm and can concentrate on their day to day as opposed to worrying about what's happening. Uh, you mention your team very often and how they've helped you grow. Um, but how do you, when you're dealing with such a big team, how do you help them grow? And you, you, what, what are some of the challenges you find in 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 trying to um, get your 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 team member to get to that next level or that next position? Um, communication, first of all, and just having that culture where you know we make a point to, to make sure that everybody knows that every skill is important that every passion needs to be nurtured <clears throat> so again we just create the environment for them where they feel welcome to express their ideas and you know express their honest opinion about the current task that they're working on and so you know everybody knows that there is a game plan for that and how far they're going to advance, how fast they're going to get there, um, you know, how big it's going to get for them and for the organization, that depends on them, really. So, you know, we have the platform, we have all the tools available to everyone. So it's, it's up to them to, to figure out how and whether they want to use them or not. Is there like an element of, you know, where you kind of leave uh, your team members to kind of to their own devices to handle certain projects? Is there no you don't have like a typical hierarchy approach, you know, it's like, oh, like so-and-so has to report to so-and-so. Is is that you don't have that type of system? No, it's very collaborative. We don't even have proper titles. <clears throat> I mean, there are certain people who, who have nominal managers, but, you know, it's still everybody's idea is important. And when we get together in the meetings, like there is there's no seniority, really. Mm -hmm. So there can be somebody who is a little bit more experienced and then they will take the lead role. So there will be meetings where I'm just sitting back and I'm just the doer. And then there's somebody again in that room who is more experienced and who is taking the leadership role in that meeting. So I can be a big boss in one meeting and then the next meeting I'm, you know, I'm just there to doer. So you really value people's um, expertise and experience. You just really, like, you know, like if someone knows more than you, you just let them be, you know, you know, they have the best interest for the business at heart. So you know, you can trust them. And I guess once you're in that inner purple tree, August media circle, you know, that's a point where, you know, you don't have to worry so much about, you know, whether they'll get the job done right. You know, you know that they'll, they'll take care of that aspect, right? 100%. 100%. Uh, and that's kind of, you know, before, before, even Purple Tree, I had a pretty extensive career in the financial world. And I just remember what inspired and motivated me the most was, you know, getting that freedom, uh, not only to voice your idea and opinion, but then getting, going ahead and just implementing and executing it and seeing it work in real life. Uh, and I also believe that, you know, there's nothing wrong with somebody trying and failing, but, you know, when you don't get a chance to try, that you're gonna burn out really, really fast. You won't grow. No, no. And it's everyone's, you know, just as much, it, they wanna grow, like I want them to grow as well, right? Cause that's gonna benefit them, gonna benefit me, and then it's gonna benefit all, everyone around us. But you mentioned, okay, so you mentioned that, uh, let's say you're in a meeting and 
uh, one of your team members is has more expertise in, in that project, you'll let them take the lead. But um, sometimes like some people, they might have a lot of expertise in something, but they don't have the managerial skills to lead the project, right? So what do you do when you have someone that uh, does have the expertise, but they don't have the management skills to go along with it? Um, I would probably say uh, it happens more often when people don't have the experience to manage people. Managing project when you're a subject matter expert, like you, you can learn that skill a lot faster than learning how to manage and motivate people. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so again, like the only thing that I can offer is kind of, you know, myself. So I, I do coach and mentor uh, people in those roles as much as I can. But again, like I don't tell them how to do things. I just watch them. And then I wait for them to come to me and then I would kind of share uh, what I would have done in this in this scenario. So and again, this is how I learned as well, uh, having lots of great mentors in my life, but I learned the best when I was making mistakes myself. So no matter how many books I read, no matter, no matter how many courses I attended, no matter how many smart people I talked to, like I only learned when I screwed something up myself. <laughs> So you really let your team members, um, uh, you leave them to their own devices and you just let them recognize when they need help and when they need constructive criticism. Do you feel like that's a very important skill as well uh, to teach them, you know, uh, to know when you need to seek out uh, constructive criticism and advice? I would say, I don't know if there is one right way or wrong way. That's just my style. Uh, so, you know, Svetlana might have a very different style from mine. So. Uh, again, like a lot of my bosses who did a phenomenal job, like, you know, they, they did it completely different from, from how I'm doing this. Um, so I'm doing it how it worked for me. Um, I try to give everyone the freedom and autonomy to learn themselves before, you know, I will come and <laughs> introduce the, the, the process. <clears throat> yeah. And then, and then at the same time, like I've seen people coming up with some amazing processes and things that I would have not thought myself. Mm -hmm. It's interesting though, that, uh, again, with, when you're talking about your team, like you've had the same people, uh, that you've had when you first started, they're still there to this day. Whereas like a lot of the other people we've spoken to, they're actually trimming down and lean, uh, like, um, trimming down their organization. So they have less team members, right? So they're more skeletal, but it seems like in your case, you're actually growing your team. It's, it's interesting so, to see. Yeah, so we're definitely optimizing the processes. And if there's something that we can fully automate, optimize, or even outsource, uh, we'll definitely do that. Like, I would rather, again, have a person working on something creative uh, that they're passionate about as opposed to working on some sort of a routine uh, activities. Yeah. Yeah, so every, every time there's an opportunity to automate, we're, we're all in. But that just means that, you know, the capacity that we create, like we can utilize that capacity towards, towards the new growth or towards the development. How long did it, you said that within like a first few years when you started Purple Tree, you were able to get a team going like pretty quickly. Obviously, like there were three of you there with with vast experiences and backgrounds in your respective fields and that you brought to the table. But uh, did you find that it was a lot? It was a little difficult to start bringing in team members early on or versus later on. Uh, I would say that that is still the biggest challenge of running 
this business or businesses. Uh, it's finding finding the right the talent. Uh, so that's one thing that I still haven't figured out. <laughs> if you ask me how and where to find the best people uh, for the role, I'd tell you I still don't know. How how did you find the team that you have now? Like where like the first them? yeah. Maybe not even the first, but the one you currently have now. How did you find yeah. them? I would say that majority of uh, majority of them, we found them still through referral. Um, so I would say probably 60% of people either like knocked on our door or, or somebody, somebody brought them here. Like whether, you know, they're one, one, one of the people who already works here or could be like one of the previous clients. Um, yeah, so not through LinkedIn or not through, I don't know, what are, the, what are those job sites that? Oh, Indeed. Uh, Monster. Monster, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, they're, they're, they're horrific. Like there's, this is one of my biggest nightmares. Uh, <laughs> doing the job posting on Indeed and then just going through all the resumes. Uh, it's, it's a, bad, eh? I guess I, did, I guess I didn't appreciate like when I used to work uh, in the in the bank industry. I, like uh, I was a hiring manager for many positions, uh, and I never appreciated the fact that the HR department, you know, scans all these resumes, uh, and we only get like maybe one percent of what they have to go through. Like obviously, there's also pretty good technology out there, but you know, small business doesn't really have access or. Uh, it's just not worth it. Uh, it's just way too expensive. But uh, yeah, I definitely missed the times when I was at the bank and I only had to go for maybe like three or four resumes and then pick two out of them, do two interviews, and then hire one amazing candidate. Uh, very different in small business. Yeah, I mean, like we made a, a call for freelancers just so we could increase our roster of, of people. And we did it on Facebook. We did it with the video producer group on, on Facebook. And oh, my God, it was just a mess. I think for like the editing position, we had like 60 applicants and we narrowed it down to like three, three people <laughs> that we would reach out to. And we still to... haven't used them yet. We're still using our current people now. So but man, it was brutal. Some emails would just be like, uh, uh, one of them said, yo. And I was like, yo, oh, yeah. what? what? <laughs> Who are you? Yo, like, I got you. I, I got that in an email once too. <laughs> like a lot of the times they would forget to send their portfolio and I'm like, I'm not going to follow up with you. I got like 60 more people to go through, right? And it was brutal. It was like this for every position. Finding talent like that is only like a small percentage of the people that you'll ever work with. All the freelancers and, and people that we've worked with in the past have all been through recommendations through other people like yourself, as you mentioned. You know, it's either been someone from your team that knew them or someone who is a, like a real go-getter that really like pursued to kind of like become a part of the team or even someone that, um, you know, as, that was a client, you know, that you formerly started working with. Uh, those are the types of people that you really can connect with a little bit easier compared to a Facebook post. Or just kind of like, you know, when you're in this industry and it's still pretty small, like you kind of know people and, and then you start paying attention to certain people. And like sometimes you just like go straight to them and just, just talk and, and see, you know, whether they can be like a good synergy and uh, whether this, there might be something that you can interest them with as well. So that happened probably more often than not. But yeah, no, still, still big challenge. Remember how I said, if you feel like you're not getting enough inquiries or you could take on a little bit more business, you just you just run Facebook ads for, for, for a day or two 
and then that's it like you're covered like if you if you need if you need help on the other side and uh, if you need help with supply then it takes months to to find and onboard somebody yeah uh in terms of scalability how were you able to scale all of the four ventures that you have um so i think with wedding photography like we i feel like we pretty much hit the ceiling uh still we want to stay uh, I want to offer boutique services, so we don't really care to grow it more. Like so right now, we shoot about 200 weddings a season, mm-hmm. uh, with the exception of this year, obviously. Uh, but we're pretty happy where we are. Uh, I feel like you know, adding more photographers or shooting more events uh, would just kind of diminish our service. Um, so happy there. Uh, I think we scale it to the max. Uh, I yet to see the company that would be able to offer wedding photography services in multiple geographical locations. Uh, I don't think that's sustainable. Um, on the Minchum side, so the studio rentals, I think that we're still at the very early stage uh, and we have you know, big plans uh, to go internationally and definitely open a few more locations here in Toronto. Uh, so the challenge with that business, so with many other businesses, it's finding the right people. With the studio rentals, it's finding the right space uh, with good light in an interesting, in an interesting building. Uh, so again, very limited in Toronto. <laughs> I, I remember uh, you and I had a conversation sometime last year. I think this was when you were still looking for the second space you guys found a place that you liked in the photos and, but when you got there you guys noticed that there was a a strange smell of meat that could not be removed <laughs> like what was your first was thoughts when you meat, walked in there was it in a meat factory or yeah something? Oh. Well, so so i'm not going to name any names but there's actually a photography studio right there like in that space that's where we were looking at. <laughs> Oops. <laughs> you think they got the meat smell out uh, I mean, it comes and goes. <laughs> <laughs> no amount of Febreze will help. They're doing an exceptional job, though. Like the guys who run the space, uh, they they do they do a really good job. Like this is not a copycat studio, but like they're um, really enjoy watching them grow as well. But but yeah, so you know we're constantly looking for new spaces, just like we're constantly looking for new people, but. Uh, you know, having been in this business for a few years now, it's just like we we see like all these red flags and, uh, you know, as much as I am a risk taker, when it comes to this kind of investment opening in used to be, like I'm very careful. Yeah. What, what are some red flags aside from weird meat smells? Um, when it comes to when it comes to the studio, um, HVAC would be the worst. So sometimes you come into a great space, beautiful light great factory windows and you just know that it's going to be such a bitch in winter <laughs> oh. yeah and then you know there's certain things that you know just not worth unless elevator is a big one like i know people who would watch and listen who are familiar with mention they'll be like yeah yeah like <laughs> elevator at mention is not perfect either which is <laughs> yeah, i know those stairs are not too oh easy to go up <laughs> you guys had to carry any of your gear upstairs? oh my god it's, oh boy it's 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 a walk <laughs> but it's worth it folks okay the space is really nice yeah. <laughs> i remember mission was the first location so <laughs> we didn't know everything back then uh so definitely you know parking uh hvac landlord 
permits is a big one. Uh, we see so many spaces opening up and we're like, well, you guys didn't even look into zoning. <laughs> oh, oh my God. You know, somebody from the city to come, come, come visit you. And uh, yeah, so landlords, neighborhoods, uh, or tons. But the biggest one is always HVAC elevator parking. Those could be deal breakers. And obviously the light, that's another thing. I see so many studios opening up right now and I just look at the quality of light and the windows and I, I, just, I just feel bad for, for, for those folks. I speak like Doug Ford. <laughs> I feel like they're not doomed to fail, but that's like a big crutch when you invest so much time and money in the space that doesn't have like decent, decent natural light, but you position yourself as a natural in studio. Oh, really? That's right, how they're right. positioning okay. themselves. Wow. Yeah, that, that, that doesn't work then. <laughs> so what is there, some of the next steps for, for you guys? You know, like obviously now. Well, what this... about scalability for the other? Oh, right. Room, yeah. yeah. So the Indigo events, uh, so this is our, our events, corporate events business. Um, as of right now, everything is kind of on pause in that industry. Uh, so kind of concentrating on, on the growth of other businesses. With August Media, uh, there are a few things that we are adding right now. So we're bringing a lead designer on board. Uh, so we're going to offer uh, website design. Uh, we're going to offer 3D models. Uh, so we do want to get into construction and work with construction companies a little bit more. Uh, so offer, offer 3D and 3D models. But the goal with August Media is definitely to go you know, um, across the country. And then potentially like, you know, the goal is to open something on the West Coast. We do have a few uh, people that we work with in Vancouver and Calgary, but uh, would love to open a satellite office eventually there. Uh, we are getting uh, inquiries from clients south of the border now as well. Uh, I guess it helps that, you know, Canadian dollar is not as strong, so there is ways for them to save. Uh, so eventually, uh, as of right now, we only have one client from the States, uh, but I would love to scale it and take on more work with, with our American neighbors. When you're, when you're scaling these uh, yourselves to, to move into different uh, countries and regions, is it kind of like opening up offices for one of the businesses or more so kind of like uh, operating as both Indigo and August Media, like both simultaneously? Is it kind of a little bit like that or is it more so one dominating more for certain regions versus the other? That's a great question because obviously there's a lot of cross-selling that's happening. Yeah. You know, a lot of August media couple clients or Purple Tree couples would need to rent uh, Minshum. A lot of Minshum clients, you know, some brands who don't necessarily have a photographer and they come across Minshum page, you know, they need to hire a branding photographer or photographer for their campaign. Um, so. 100% there is a really good synergy here in Toronto that's working really, really well. I guess I should have mentioned it as one of the uh, ways how we find new leads and, and, and new clients. Yeah. Um, so potentially, yes, but uh, I personally see how Minstrom is going to move, physically move south of the border before August media and you think have you guys kind of then set yourselves up as uh, not necessarily relying on mint room as like the physical representation of the businesses uh, like either across the border or on the other uh, or on the west coast do you do you see 
Mint Room being that solidifying kind of uh, starting point to know how you guys can expand further? Uh, so, so again, like um, I would still treat Mint Room and August Media as independent companies. Uh, again, there's different set of partners on the Mint Room side, and it just it's just easier to uh, to open a new Mint Room in a brand new geographical location and get the clients right away, as opposed to bringing yet another creative agency to I don't know a city like Boston or Chicago or or even Vancouver. So if you open a satellite office on the West Coast for August Media, how would you go about that? Like, would you, would one of the partners end up going there or would you have people that, you know, just uh, being sent there? Yeah, it would probably be important for at least one of us to go there for at least a short period of time, I would say. Uh, we talked about this, uh, about the studio. So... Uh, if we were to open the studio, for example, outside of GT or outside of Ontario, I'll probably have to spend, one of us would probably have to spend good like six months to a year there. Uh, opening August Media Satellite Office, I think it's going to be a little bit easier uh, just because, you know, we're especially after this year when we're so used to working remotely and like managing teams remotely and each other. And there's so much work that can be just you know, like, I don't even know if we're going to come back to the office in the same capacity as we used to work here. Uh, yeah, so for the August media, it'd probably be just to kind of meet the person who you can trust and who would be kind of like managing that, that local uh, satellite office, but more so, so that they can manage the clients over there, but all the processes and the and majority of the work is still going to be done from Toronto. Do you feel like this pandemic has kind of forced you guys to, to develop this remote, uh, working skill? Because like, it seems like, uh, like the way you're kind of going about it is that because you guys have been forced to work from home and remotely, it is giving you guys the skill to be able to be confident enough to expand to different regions without needing to physically be there all the time. Do you feel like the pandemic has kind of, in a way, been a little bit of a benefit in that sense? I think uh, not in the sense of optimizing your processes and adjusting the workflows. So that uh, we were, I would say we we're very well prepared for. Um, but in, in terms of the diversification and, you know, what kind of clients do you really want to, bring and onboard to make sure that you know you're not affected by the second third fourth wave or even if it goes into like 2025 uh so in that sense 100 percent, we learned a lot and we changed our strategy quite a bit uh again in terms of the type of clients that we're targeting now do you feel like um, you guys are shifting a little bit more in, in needing to change what type of clients that you want to reach out to? Like, obviously, you mentioned that beauty, uh, the beauty clients are your main niche now. Do you feel like because of the pandemic and because of your expansion ideas that you guys will have to kind of start targeting new types of clients? So any clients who offer some type of products, not uh, as, a, as opposed to just services. Right. So again, so we want to have the clients that whose business doesn't depend on having the doors open, you know, seven days a week. Uh, again, with, with beauty salons and clinics, especially, uh, most of them have their online stores and they sell, they sell tons of different products that they can just ship to us and we can photograph it. You know, it doesn't matter if it's more of a traditional portrait, uh, product photography or it's something a little bit more lifestyle, uh, can help them setting up their e-commerce stores uh, 
uh, updating their inventory online, you know, again, shooting that inventory, helping them with the Facebook ads. So yes, yeah, so it definitely, definitely added quite a few services that were never offered before, uh, just to make sure that there is some sort of contingency plan and definitely, definitely paying more attention to the clients that are kind of doing the same, the same thing and, you know, changing their way of doing business to make sure that they're not affected by this pandemic. Mm -hmm. B2B or B2C or both? For, for the well, you said, targeting? Yeah, yeah. Uh, both, both then. Both, but definitely, so it's, it's, it's a longer process to, uh, you know, get the B2B leads and to onboard them. But uh, once you do that, it's definitely uh, an amazing relationship to have. So, mm -hmm. so in a time now where a lot of companies are downsizing and, and losing team members, you know, and, you know, kind of trying to adapt to be smaller, you guys have maintained your core team. You have not been letting anyone go. In fact, because you are starting to dip more into new types of services and offerings with your businesses, do you feel like you're going to have to actually even expand the team more? Because e-commerce is a whole new different ballgame as well. Do you think that there's a potential need to find someone who's a, a big expert in that area? Yeah, so we're up six people since March. You're up six people. Yeah, so we're up, we're up six people, wow. for sure, but mostly because of August media and because all this additional service that we're offering and onboarding uh, new clients every month. Um, and the biggest, big, big, big part of our business on August media side is the subscription business. Uh, so, which oh. So, which again helps a lot during these times because you know you can you can kind of estimate your cash flow for the next six months, uh, even if there is no new growth, but just just kind of yeah, yeah. just wow. kind of just kind of working with the existing clients. Um, yeah, no, and I expect I expect uh, the team to grow even more. So, my estimate is that if we don't go into the, another lockdown probably going to hire like another four, four people before the end of this year. Wow. Uh, if we do go into the lockdown, like who knows, we might end up hiring even more. <laughs> Just... How are you able to pitch clients on subscription services? So retainers, because a lot of people we've spoken to, they said that they tried it. Actually, everyone we've spoken to much said everyone. that they tried it and it just didn't work and they just don't believe in it. So or like how it, we... it's a, like a dying mentality with a lot of clients. For the ad agencies, but okay, for video yeah. production agencies, everyone that said they tried it said it didn't work. So how did how come it worked with you? And how much of your business is subscription services? Sorry, so you're saying video video subscription doesn't work? Well, you just mentioned, uh, well, no, the video production companies we've spoken to, they all said they tried it and it didn't work. Yeah. With the agencies, it's gone from uh, long-term uh, retainer models to very short-term, like short one-year contracts, right? Not even. Not even one year, but for the big ones, I guess. Yeah. So how were you able to make it work for your company and how much of a percentage um, of, your business. of your business does it uh, consist of? So I would say August media, I would say 75% is subscription. Wow. Yeah. 20, 25 is just one off campaigns, like product photography, uh, branding shoots. Yeah. 75 is, is subscription. C content or marketing as well? Everything. Uh, so our subscription packages would include creative direction, uh, content production. So it can be a photo video. Uh, so management and strategy um, and reporting. Okay, that makes more sense because again, it's you're doing the marketing end of things, so that that falls in line. I thought it was 
uh, on the strictly just content creation aspects? No, no, no. Yeah, so we will we ma we manage the content that we shoot. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So one one thing that I've, that I've always been kind of like wondering about, especially with these subscription models, like it made me wonder if this potentially works. There's obviously a certain set amount of work that you guys are going to be doing for your clients, certain uh, team members that are going to be allocated and resources for those uh, particular clients. But there's obviously going to be situations where uh, things will fluctuate and vary. There might be like, say, a month where they may not need, not necessarily may not need, but there isn't as much need for uh, for marketing push to be there. Whereas there might be a month where there's a huge need for it that like it might go beyond the capacity of the business. How do you guys manage that? Right. Uh, so the first scenario, uh, you know, that happened um, back in like March, April, where a lot of our clients, like their, their stores started shutting down and then they were still on the contract. Uh, so we basically adjusted uh, for everyone. And we were, instead of charging them the set monthly rate, we were just charging them for the actual hours that they used. So we basically pause their contract and say, listen, you know, we'll, we'll do whatever is in your budget right now. Uh, so we still recommend it to keep some sort of online presence and not disappear completely. Uh, but for a lot of these clients, that meant that we were only working on 10% of the capacity or the contract. Um, so we try to be understanding uh, with everyone. So if there is, if during certain month we can't shoot, uh, we'll carry those hours for it to to the next month, but we try to avoid that at all costs because not just because not not because it affects our cash flow or anything or or our workforce, but because it affects our clients, uh, social media and engagement and everything else. So we we really suggest against that whenever possible. But we can be flexible if there's if there's no other option. Uh, when it comes to taking on more work, uh, so let's say it is a busier month for somebody and they do want to run some special campaigns or they're launching a new product and you know we also have we also have capacity to to take on that extra work so it hasn't been it hasn't been an issue so far the only area where we kind of staff uh for capacity is really social media management but if something is about to change like usually our clients give us heads up and they let us know a few months ahead uh when it comes to the production hours then sometimes it happens very last minute, but with the production and with our photographers, videographers, we, we usually stop for almost peaks. So we always have extra capacity just because we don't like when our creatives burn out. So the worst thing that I can do to my creative people is to assign them to shoot like seven days a week or even five days a week. So I like to kind of spread their work a little bit. So maybe like on average, they probably shoot two or three times a week, sometimes during peak season a little bit more, but we always like to leave that extra capacity where as a minimum, they would be able to kind of recharge their batteries and, right. you know, and, and sometimes right. I even go work on the passion project if there is some extra time. Uh, yeah, so we don't like to, we don't like to shoot every day that's that's not sustainable i guess that's right. but sometimes we have to there will be times where hey it's all hands on deck um you know we need to do this for for this client or we need to do this for the team and we'll do that but it's not consistently 12 months a year
Yeah. No, like, I guess that pretty much just answer, answers the question. Like, obviously, like when there's peak uh, peak months where there's a lot of workflow that needs to be there, like you guys bring on, make sure you have enough staff. If you need to hire more for that particular month, you will do that uh, as it is. Because I was just curious, like, you know, there might be like, for example, a month where say a client said they wanted to shoot 30 videos, one every single day. Like not everyone can do that. So how do you typically manage that uh, aspect? It doesn't really happen. But you know, like, you know, we have a few friends in common who like literally you look at their calendar and out of 30 days in the month, they have 29 days booked. <laughs> I know, right? Yeah. It's, it's, it's very hard to... <laughs> we all know who we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, so on our team, like that's not... A, that's I, I don't allow that. Even, even if somebody wanted to shoot 29 days in a month. <laughs> that's a that's a recipe for a burnout and a disaster. Not not with not with the person we know. The, 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 key, the key is you need. I to know, find... but that's yeah, that's like that one person is a, is, a, is an exception. Uh, yeah. But for most people, for most people working uh, at that capacity, that rate is is not sustainable. <laughs> Sasha, the key is to find thirty people like that who, guy, like that guy, <laughs> so that you get them all on one different day that month. You know. <laughs> How's that for managing people in a huge team? <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Sometimes, like, obviously, over the years, too, like, Svetlana, myself, Eugene, like, the three partners, we don't shoot as much as we used to. Um, so, you know, when shit hits the fan and, you know, there's nobody else and we need to do it for this client, uh, you know, we're, we're always available as well. Sasha, you've really given us a lot of insights into how to like build a team and how to manage a team. It's a lot of companies struggle with that, especially in the creative sector. You know, it's it's not an easy thing. And we really value that you've been able to take some time to talk to us and our audiences about mm -hmm. uh, about that aspect. And yeah, thanks for jumping onto the show. Is, is there anything you want to plug before we end off? Thanks for thanks for having me. Sorry. Is there anything you want to plug? Uh, is there anything I want to plug? Um... I feel like I could go on forever. So. He's got like 10 other ventures behind him. I know. He's got a few more businesses coming. <laughs> you got like 10 other businesses you want to talk about, right? Oh, yeah. We only talked about four of them. <laughs> only four. Oh, oh, boy. Spoken like a true entrepreneur, by the way. We love it. Love it. Sasha, thanks again. Uh, we look forward to chatting again soon. Likewise. Can't wait to do it in real life, boys. For yeah, sure. hopefully soon. We'll <laughs> grab a we'll grab a coffee for real. <laughs> All right, take it I'll easy. actually have coffee next. Time. <laughs> <laughs> no worries. Take okay. care, Sasha. Bye bye. All right. Thank you for tuning into the Creatives Grab Coffee podcast. You can find us on Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, and LinkedIn. Let us know if there are any topics you would like for us to cover in future episodes. You can reach out to us at creativesgrabcoffee at gmail.com. <laughs>